Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. You are with Andy and back in the studio with me for the first time in a while, Ian. Hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. Nice to be back co-hosting. Yep. <laughs> but it's a long, long time. Yeah, Probably sure more is. than a year. A lot of shows on Z have had just the one host due to COVID restrictions, but for the Paradigm Shift, it's been a long, long time since it's been co-host. But here we are both in Brisbane and both in the studio. That's good. What have you got lined up for us today? Well, I have been speaking with people around the country who are trying to resist new coal mines. It seems crazy in a post-Paris agreement world that we're talking about new coal mines, but we are, and not just one, but many around the country. So today we'll hear from a few people who are trying to resist new coal mines. We've got Steve Talbot, who is a Gomeroy traditional owner in uh, Western New South Wales, where there is the proposed Shenhua watermark mine just south of Tamworth. It's been proposed a long time. Um, And the Gomeroy have been in the federal court trying to uh, resist it because of some significant cultural artifacts that will be destroyed if that mine goes ahead, of course, uh, a few weeks ago, we had in Western Australia, Rio Tinto exploding some other significant artefacts at the Duke and Gorge. And that's sadly not something limited to Western Australia and Rio, Rio Tinto. I also spoke to Paul Stevenson, who is from up at Maura in central Queensland, where a group of farmers there are trying to protect prime agricultural land from another coal mine. That's the Baralabar South Mine. And they've got a sort of moving to the next stage of a campaign trying to get Liberty Mutual to not build that mine, the big American financial company. And we also might get a bit of an update from Adani. There's been news there of different contracts signed, but a few insurance companies saying they won't back Adani. And that, of course, has been the biggest symbolic fight against new coal mines in Australia. So stay tuned for the next hour. That's what's in store. Sounds pretty good. So we might get into it and have a listen to Steve Talbot about the Gomeroy's struggle to protect their culture. Could you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, my name's Steve Torbett. I'm a Gomeroy man from Gunnedah, and I'm also an African on the Gomeroy native title claim. As well as a native title claim, Gomeroy have an ongoing 
legal case against the federal government because of some cultural artefacts that scheduled to be removed for the Shenwa's watermark coal mine just south of Tamworth there. Can you tell us a bit about this? It's not just artefacts. I mean, it's an old complex. It's burials, it's camping areas. You know, there's areas where they've Gummeroy put a resistance up against European and these are areas where these warriors went back into battle and sharpened their tools. So this is of of significance to Gomorrah? Oh, yeah, it's of high significance, you know. I mean, you see what they've done with Rio Tinto in WA and the same thing's happening again in New South Wales. You know, when's enough's enough in regards to protecting what in what is important to us as Aboriginal people. And I think it's not only us as Aboriginal people, the non-Aboriginal people should be supporting us in protecting our heritage and our culture and you know, for our kids and you know, their kids. Yeah, well, it's the history of Australia, isn't it? Well, it is. Mm. And, you know, some people forget that Australia has a black history. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about the process because it's been going on a, a long time. The Shenhua mine first sort of being talked about almost 10 years ago now and there's been an ongoing process about these sites and even the federal government sending somebody to assess it who found that these sites were of immeasurable cultural value but they're still proposing the mine go ahead. Well, that's the thing with while we're in court now because the minister... For environment, federal environment minister turned around and said it's of unimmeasurable value to the Gummeroy people. And on, in the next breath, turned around and said, but the economic values outweigh it. I mean, how much do we put on our culture and heritage? To me, there's no price. You know, and we've had government for over 200 years telling us as Aboriginal people, First Nations people, what is important to us and what isn't. Mm. So can you tell us where the court case is up to? What's happened there? Well, well, now we're waiting for the judge to make a decision and you know, it's four weeks today since um, the court case has been put before the judge and we're still waiting the decision. So hopefully we'll have one next week. Now, the Gomeroy have been through some of these things before. Um, many Paradigm Shift listeners may remember uh, years ago in a... The Malls Creek coal mine, when it was meant to be built, there was a significant Gummeroy site, Lawl as well, in there, an open-cut coal mine, and there was a, a long fight to protect that, and that that was a lost fight. Can you tell us a bit about that, and I guess what effect that's had on Gomeroy? Well, in uh, fact, uh, I mean, it's disgusting on how it, how it was handled in the first place because it was then the Environment Minister Greg Hunt and then we had Nigel Scully in as the Aboriginal Affairs Minister, and both of them didn't know whose portfolio had come under and was passing it back and forth. And this is why the destruction of law as well and those other sites that were important to us as Aboriginal people weren't protected. And that was, I mean, I remember being down there and I, it was very emotional, the attachment of Gomorrah people to that site. And at first the access was blocked to it. I guess it's the same as what's happened with the Duke and Caves. At first, you're not told you're not allowed to go there, and then it's just gone altogether. Yeah, well, you know, we got stuff in museums. I mean, we'd be a little bit fading. We turn around 
we take kids through to museums and, and show them Aboriginal artefacts and all that, you do not get the same feel as being on country. You know, being on country, there's no feeling like it is when you're standing on top of the mountain. You're standing there in the area where, you know, ancestors have been there before you, you know, sharpening their tools and going back in the battle. It's, you know, it's an emotional time. And, you know, and we want to be able to take the kids out and talk to them and see and teach them and get them to get the same feeling that we have and our senior elders do when they're on country. So, I mean, it's been in the news the last few weeks uh, with what's happened in Western Australia, um, but this is something that's gone on for a long time, as Gomeroy know, and as different nations, of course, in Queensland here, we've had Wonga and Jagalingu people struggling against the Adani mine. Um, is this something that the, the various Aboriginal nations around Australia talk to each other about, support each other, or is there a, a way that those struggles are linked? So, I mean, we need a standalone act. I mean, you know, Aboriginal people have got more action than Hollywood, you know. We we use the, the act to protect and try to, you know, get an outcome where we've got permanent protection on these sides. And when we use that act, the government act, that they've gave us and then they don't enact the act so why bother having an act I mean we've got the current government destroying Aboriginal culture and heritage at 100% the previous government the Labor government was destroying it at 85% and and just the other night we've turned around and got a motion passed within the upper house for the protection of the sites in Gummaroy at Watermark and now it's you know, hopefully those ministers are supported in the lower house. Mm. So that's happened in New South Wales Parliament? Yeah. And, uh, now, yeah. and then we had the New South Wales Premier, you know, and, I, and I'd like to know the answer in regards to buying $462 million worth of land back of Shanwa Watermark that ain't even going to mine, be mined. What was the purpose of her buying that land back? That money could have been spent on the preservation and protection of Aboriginal sites. She brought it back over 12 months, nearly two years now, and yet I still haven't got an answer from her as to what her motive was of buying that land back from Shanway Watermark. Have they, has the New South Wales government been in contact with Gomeroy about this? <laughs> we had a meeting with Susan Lee and the the member, local member, Colton, and they, when it comes to the Aboriginal people, you know, it's just a tick-a-box process that he is a little government go-through. Mm. And in those meetings, the body language from Susan Lay and that Colton was, you know, more or less don't want to hear about it. Well, now they've got no choice but to hear about it because it's now in the federal court. So what do you think, if we look at both the... Gomeroy issue um, and on a national level, I mean, what do we need to do to make sure that significant Aboriginal cultural heritage sites are protected? Well, I mean, they need to take notice of the people in those areas and, and those nations. I mean, you know, too many times, you know, governments sit in their offices and that and don't even go on country, don't get the feel that we get, don't see the emotion that we we live through and go through every day, and yet they, t- you know, 
I don't know what we're going to do unless all nations come together and turn around and march on parliaments in their um, states because, you know, when it comes to Aboriginal culture and heritage, it's been watered right down, right around Australia. Now, I've had phone calls from Queensland, WA, Tasmania, where they've watered down the act, and it's, you know, it's disrespectable and it's, you know, a disgrace. All Australians should be discussed in, in the way, you know, these sites are going to be destroyed. They should be supporting us as Aboriginal people because the emotional stress and heartache that we all go through when there's destruction of these sites, you know, it's hurtful and then we, you know, they destroy them and then we try to protect other sites in the area and then, you know, they just see us as, you know, troublemakers and you know, radical blackfellas and that. You know, I mean, and activists, you know, if, if that's what they want to label us, then so be it, you know. Because yeah. we're standing up for what we believe in. Yeah, that's right. What, what they've described themselves as immeasurable value. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, they don't put a price on our culture and heritage. And for her to turn around and say, you know, on one end it's of unmeasurable value and then in the next breath she turn around and says the economic values outweigh it. I mean, what price does she put on Aboriginal culture and heritage? I mean, if the government could turn around and make millions of dollars out of tourism, I'm pretty sure that they would turn tooth and nail and probably try to protect it. But because they can't make nothing out of it, and it's something that the Aboriginal community feels strongly enough to turn around and protect, then they don't want to hear it. Okay. Thanks very much, Steve. Language warning on this track. It's new from Ziggy Ramo. At the white man's school, what are the children taught? Are they told of the battles our people fought? Are they told how our people died? Are they told why our people cried? Australia's true history is never read, but the black man keeps it in his hands. You can feel my rage, yeah I'm red hot You either get my point, or you get point blank shot Cause I ain't forgot, you see black life's is nuisance Broke your own laws, suspended constitutions Fueled by hate, strapped up ready for war But mama told me love's the only thing we're fighting for, uh but I ain't felt hope in a long time Black lives ain't made nothing in a long time So I'm all up on your face On your palate how it tastes Will it take another life to go to waste For y'all to get up to date with the state Of inequality between race But it's not about black and white It's about all humans getting basic human rights So I swallow my pride and look you in the eye Give you my time even if I never change nothing My people always equal So we always stand for something Stand for something We stand for something We stand for something We stand for something Knock, knock, standing at your door like Jehovah Witness I could be the greatest just like Hova Spitting But I ain't give a fuck if you ain't ready to listen Cause our people losing lives, yeah, fuck the system Government ain't never gave a fuck about us They stole our youth, so now we drowning in the fountain 
Black voices never hurried upon your TV Black thoughts caught your ears so now you motherfuckers hear me I would save so many lives with gun laws But I'm shooting hoes like who damn right I save my black balls Please won't you aborigines be polite Only white life's worth saving and that ain't right So fucking this discussion is disgusting Mind racing next racist wrists I'll slit and have gushing Now I'm locked in a cellar My education means nothing Even though they said sorry It never changed nothing It changed nothing it changed nothing I stand for something Stand for something Hey. Over half my peers more likely to see prison Than to get an education How's that life worth living? How's that life worth living? We stand for something That is... Stand for Something by Ziggy Ramo. Um, it's brand new music, political Aboriginal hip-hop, always good to hear. Before then, we were speaking with Steve Talbot, who is a Gomeroy man, um, Western New South Wales mob, and they have been fighting in court, uh, trying to protect some significant artefacts, shears, Spear sharpening tools, uh, grooves in rocks and things like that that have been described by the uh, government's assessment commission as of immeasurable cultural heritage but are scheduled to be removed and have a mine built there anyway. So they've been struggling for that. Of course, Comoroi, um, as we mentioned in that interview, no stranger to trying to protect their heritage from mining. What kind of coal is it there? I think the thermal coal there. Shenhua, of course, a Chinese-owned company. It's funny, the, um, the, all the talk about China and everything like that. Of course, Australia to business is always open to China, you know. Um, and, yeah, thermal coal out at, on those Liverpool plains. Well, it really doesn't make any sense, especially with China going towards alternative renewable you know, energy systems? Well, it doesn't make any sense when we're facing an impending apocalypse from climate change, but money talks. We might go to another interview as well. I spoke to Paul Stevenson this morning um, about another proposed coal mine uh, that is at Baralabar in central Queensland and it's a different kind of people of the land resisting this one. Farmers trying to protect what is called prime agricultural land. So, so Baralabar is west of uh, Rockhampton, right, right in the centre around that parallel, is it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Let's have a listen to Paul. Can you start by introducing yourself? My name's Paul Stevenson. I'm from uh, Nowra in central Queensland. And you have been involved uh, recently in the opposition to a proposed new coal mine there in central Queensland at Barabar. Can you give us a bit of background about uh, this mine and the struggle against it? So I've been um, fighting proposed coal mine proposals at Barabar in central Queensland since about 2013 um, when a, coal, a new coal mine project was first proposed that was going to impact on my, my grandparents' farm between Baralabar and Mara. Since 2013? Yeah, so I first got involved in, uh, in around 2013 when I heard about this proposal for a, a proposed new coal project 
and a train loadout facility for the coal project. And so I went up to central Queensland to to um, check out what the situation was, what the impacts were, and to talk to people about their concerns and local impacts of the project. That led on to me eventually becoming embroiled in a year and a half long court battle to to stop this coal mine from proceeding. Um, and now we've got a second proposed new coal mine proposed by the same company just south of, the, of that mine, which I was initially engaged in campaigning against. So can you tell us a bit about that court case? Yeah, so uh, I think beginning around the end of 2014 through to the beginning of 2016, um, I was engaged in a, a land court case against the Bralabar North um, continued operations project so that was a proposed um, it was basically a new coal mine based on a, a very small kind of existing operation that had been kicking around for about 100 years but had been shut down for about 30 years in between and um, yeah that posed a, a whole lot of, of impacts on the local farming community including on the, the haul road and from the train loadout facility so um so I decided to pursue that through the full um, court process and, yeah, that's, that's sort of where my journey began. So in the end, that mine was built? Yeah, so actually the company went broke about uh, two weeks before our final hearing um, on that um, proposed project uh, about... Uh, yeah, so the, the, the mine then shut down for for a couple of years and it's sort of limping along again it's reopened with new owners so it was actually the company was taken over by a huge insurance giant uh, from the united states called liberty mutual they're the 75th biggest company in the united states and so they they took over that company after it went broke to then try to build this this mine now they're trying to build a second mine um just south of there on a floodplain um south of Bralabar. And so it's central Queensland, there's a lot of coal mines in that area, but where you are, it's traditionally farming land and there's some concern about the impacts of this mine on that farmland. Is that right? Yeah, so look, the, the mining industry has been around for a long time in central Queensland. Um, we're the biggest coal exporting region and the biggest coal exporting state and the biggest coal exporting country in the world. But um, I think uh, mining companies have taken for granted their ability to operate in central Queensland and have been walking all over farming communities and farmers. Um, I have very close personal family stories going back to the 1950s of um, farmers having been really severely impacted and abused by mining companies. And um, mining companies traditionally in that area have not treated farming communities well. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, we've seen in recent years things like Lock the Gate really trying to mobilise some of these farmers who, I guess, historically um, haven't had that kind of combined power of people in the cities and uh, people with that kind of political tradition to resist these mines. It's been something that um, has happened in the last decade or so. What's been the organisation of locals around there, around Maura? and Baralabar to try to resist this mine? 
So, as you said, Andy, um, this particular mine is proposed on prime agricultural land. It's uh, in the, you know, there's only 4% of the entire land mass of Australia is suitable for this kind of um, agricultural activity. It's, it's actually classed as what's called strategic cropping land. So you've got extremely fertile soils. It's, it's right next to a, an amazing water s- source and it's suitable for kind of cropping. We've got farmers directly neighbouring who are in, would be impacted by this mine who are growing things like chickpeas, mung beans, sorghum, wheat, you name it, you can grow it there. The soil's fantastic and they've got a great water source. So um, the farming community have, have seen projects like this come along which want to basically rip the guts out of that farming country. And as one of the farmers said at our local meeting um, a few months back, that country could feed a thousand people for a thousand years, but if this mine comes, it will destroy it all. So um, what we've actually seen is a move to try and enforce the existing legislation um, called the Regional Planning Interest Act um, and to tighten up the way that that act operates so that those areas of great strategic interest which can provide food food security for a thousand years so that they're actually protected from these short-term industrial projects which would destroy the landscape and leave a gaping hole 30 years later.
That is the lurkers there with the song Mining Man. Lock the gate, of course. Uh, not just a good method of keeping mining companies off your property, but also the name of an organisation. So to try to mobilise farmers um, to try to protect our farmland against mining interests. And that's what we're talking about with Paul Stevenson, who has been working with farmers up in the central Queensland area near Maurer against the Baralabar coal mine. Let's go back to listening to Paul. The government should have things in place to protect that. Has there been any luck in, I guess, that angle of looking towards a government protection of this farmland? Yeah, so the Regional Planning Interest Act was uh, introduced in 2015 and, you know, that's the explicit intent and purpose of it was to protect precisely these kinds of prime agricultural areas, not to mention areas of, you know, um, strategic environmental interest or priority living areas. And even, you know, I think something that should be included in in those categories is also areas of cultural heritage, um, you know, values that extend beyond um, short-term industrial kind of profit. That's what uh, this act is supposed to enforce. However, unfortunately, since it was introduced in 2015, um, of the 37 projects which have, um, you know, had proposals under that Act, none of them has been refused. So what we're actually seeing is an effort from farming communities to come together to work collectively to have those um, pieces of legislation um, tightened up and reformed so and enforced so that rather than having to fight these pitched battles on every single mine that comes along, we can actually have some proper government regulation to protect those areas. It's crazy, hey, a law that's in paper only, but in enforcement has no value. Yeah, so we've actually seen um, some a, a kind of bit of a united front from um, agricultural organisation, organisations like AgForce and QFS and um, groups like Lock the Gate. I think I think it's a kind of no-brainer amongst the general public as well, whether you're um, living in the city or a, or a farmer. You, you know, if you're in the city, you know, you want to protect where your food come comes from. We all care for our, our landscape and um, our country. So um, I think we've got you know a, a great campaign and um, support from potentially both sides of politics in getting this uh, legislative reform passed. Um, the other angle besides the government one and it's been proven sometimes in trying to take on coal mines is unwise to expect too much from the government but Liberty Mutual a huge company as you've said and they have said publicly that they're not going to invest in new coal mines and so you've been trying to prick the conscience of this company yeah so um, in September last year, I wrote a letter on behalf of um, some of the members of our farming community to the CEO of Liberty Mutual. So this is the 75th biggest company in the world. And the CEO, he makes in a good year, he makes about $75 million Australian dollars every year. So he doesn't really need any more money from another coal mine. And uh, th- this particular project carries such enormous risks that we expected an insurance company should really take a serious look at this and... Um, consider whether it's the right thing for them to be doing. Um, so what ended up happening, um, you know, on the back of that and some work by, and a lot of work by campaigners in the US was that Liberty Mutual adopted a climate change policy in 2019, which included a policy to stop um, investment in new 
in certain new coal projects. So um, I've been trying to contact Liberty Mutual to clarify how that policy applies to Baralabar South for months and that they've just basically stonewalled me, that they haven't responded. I even went to their office in Sydney and rather than speaking to me, they shut down their office to all visitors. So there's clearly something wrong going on there in terms of this contradiction between their policy and their actions. Um, so two weeks ago, Liberty Mutual uh, announced it would cut ties with the proposed Adani Carmichael mine um, in central Queensland. So uh, off the back of that, that was a clear indication that the company's policy should be applied with regard to these kind of coal projects. Um, so I've pursued the company to say, well, you've dropped Adani. Why are you still pursuing your own 100% owned new coal mine in central Queensland? And they've come out with a statement saying that they will make no new investments in any coal industry projects. But at the same time, they've said they are going to pursue this coal mine, which is a total contradiction. So to me, that appears to be you know, a massive case of greenwashing and um, basically this uh, company talking out of both sides of its mouth at once. You know, this is basically this company is telling a barefaced lie to the public um, about its coal policy. And so there's a bit of a campaign going to try to get people to contact Liberty Mutual and encourage them to do the right thing? Yeah, so we've got an email campaign, um, which is uh, our friends at Lock the Gate have helped us to set up to email the CEO and call on him basically just to honour the public commitment that they've made not to invest in coal companies by dropping this um, proposed new coal project. That, uh, that campaign can be found via the Lock the Gate Facebook page. Um, so it's um, an email action to the CEO of Liberty Mutual telling him to drop the Baralabar South Coal Mine. All right. Thanks very much, Paul. Is From the sea with plans Just so you know We're putting on any show Go to the minister, minister please What is this disease? Spreading with ease And trying to bring us to our knees But circumstances beyond his control Left us sad in the cold he said, do as you told, cause he's dancing on poles. Off all the money that put in his hole. He says, check it out, boys, it's my version of hell. I'll install the gas wells, we'll never tell how the cards fell. When it comes time, we'll just sell. Besides, we've already sold all the gas off to China Put your trust in the miners When did they ever tell you what we didn't want you to hear? 
Wishing for power that comes from the sun You only do that for fun You can't make cities run On wind or rain or sun But they're doing it right now in Germany and Spain and Iceland Just so you know We're putting in an indie show The lines are all drawn shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. That song there is Mick Daly and the Corporate Raiders uh, doing No Minister. That's, you can get that off the compilation album Rock and Roll for Block and Coal, uh, raise, raising money and awareness for the anti-Adani campaign. Uh, before that, we were speaking with Paul Stevenson, who... Um, is working with other farmers in the central Queensland area around Maura, Baralabar, to try to stop the uh, Baralabar South brand new coal mine. Um, and there's a campaign going there to try to get Liberty Mutual, the American financial company, to pull out. Um, seeing in central Queensland, of course, there is another famous proposed coal mine there, which has been the subject of much resistance, and that is Adani's Carmichael Mine, a bit north of that Baralabar mine. And, uh, of course, it's been in the news a lot over the years, but not so much over the last couple of months where we've had lots of other things in the news. But the work on that mine is continuing, and so is the campaign against it. And I've got on the line now... Ben Pennings from Galilee Blockade. Hello, Ben. Good afternoon, Andy. Now, the Adani campaign has been going on. I guess we'll start off. One thing 
with the Adani mine is ever since last year's federal election, um, when central Queensland seats swung against Labor and the their equivocation about the Adani mine was seen to be part of the reason. After that, the state Labor government went, um, said that they will support the Adani mine and federal Labor has also um, put full support behind it. But that the campaign continues on a different angle, targeting some of those private companies that could be engaged work in the Adani mine. And that's been quite a successful tactic, hasn't it? Yeah. Sorry, I, I lost you for a second there. It's been, um, yeah, it has been 10 years now, in fact, since Adani came to Queensland. And at the time, Queensland Labor were, you know, falling over themselves to support Adani. And the politics of coal uh, has changed in that time for the better. But unfortunately, uh, it's great 10 years later, they haven't uh, exploited any coal out of the basin, but they are getting closer. And so, yeah. Adani are working on site. There's a couple of companies called BMT and Martinez Rail are building the coal railway. And it could be a matter of, you know, if Adani gets their way in 18 months or so, they'll want to be exporting coal from one of the biggest thermal coal basins in the world, which is a complete environmental disaster. But, yes, there's many projects over the years in Australia that we're, you know, the environment movement through you know, direct action and working on companies and shareholder action, etc., have actually beaten the politicians and, yeah, stopped projects well into construction, whether that was, the, you know, Kakadu or James Point Price or Franklin and other, you know, famous victories over the years. There have been, a, like, a, a number of sort of big businesses starting with some of the Australian banks and then a big sort of logistics companies like Downer EDI that have publicly pulled out uh, of Adani, but the total number is up over 50, well over 50, 60 or 70 companies that have publicly distanced themselves, themselves from Adani, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah, I think we're into 60 something, but there's actually a lot more companies that we know of who won't work on the mine, who won't say it publicly because they're scared of backlash, you know, within the resources industry. So Adani has found it really, really, you know, tough. They, yeah, they had to uh, finance the mine themselves, so no bank in the world would touch the project. So, you know, Adani has got to put his own money in, which has raised the stakes. There's no Australian insurance company that will, again, touch the mine. Um, So they've been seeking international insurance. And, yeah, recently four of those were leaked and all those four companies are out. So Adani's scrambling to try and, you know, maintain their insurance and people around the world are... You know, focusing on insurance companies, which are based in places like Bermuda and other tax havens, etc., to really um, let them know that you know you really can't insure something like this, which is a, a disaster not only for people on the planet but also the insurance industry, which is facing more and more losses because of extreme weather due to climate change and the like. So insurance has been quite a successful way for us to uh, delay and cause concerns with the campaign. And there's obviously there's the financing of Abbott Point Coal Terminal is coming up as well and international financial institutions will be you know, engaged on that and big bondholders. But there's also the work on the ground, which is really important. We've shown before through the other campaigns I've mentioned and you know, campaigns in cities as well, that direct action can actually move the politics and cause massive disruption to projects as well. So, as you mentioned, it's been very difficult with COVID-19, but 
Uh, apart from Victoria, obviously, the uh, boundaries are really opening up now so that the uh, the frontline action on coal camp near Bowen can actually have people going up there now and they're preparing for that. So if people go to the frontline action on coal on Facebook or Twitter or their uh, website, they'll see the invitation to go up to the camp and be part of the resistance against the coal mine up there, which is focusing on the work going on on the ground as well. So people can you know, go to the front lines and resist up there. They can get involved in Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne. You know, Gally Blockade, who I do work with, you know, can focus and direct action on contractors in the city you're in. So if you can't go up north of central Queensland, you can get involved in direct action and other activities on the ground where you live to, you know, to show this resistance. And we're pretty confident uh, that you know the ten years will extend to eleven and twelve, and we'll yes we'll finally um, you know get the first coal mine in Queensland stopped on environmental grounds. It has been a strength of the movement that it hasn't just been you know out there in. I've been out there, like on the Adani front lines. And it's a long way from our big cities, but there's been big movements in the cities and really push, pressuring some of these contractors. And it was interesting just in the last few weeks when the those four insurance companies uh, that were who were underwriting Adani's insurance when they were outed, and then very quickly afterwards they came out saying they won't do it anymore. It really shows the power that the pressure around Adani has had on that brand and the, the way companies don't want to be associated with it. Yeah, and information is vital. So, you know, we know that the major political parties, you know, are, are very supportive of, still supportive of new coal and gas. You know, we know that there's a lot of power and money and you know, lobbying against us. So, in any form of you know, resistance, one of a better word, information and intelligence is vital. So if anyone out there, you know, does know about companies working you know, with Adani or thinking about working for Adani or insurance, etc., yeah, the Gallery Blockade site is one of the places where you can go to actually, you know, let us know because, yeah, people, Adani is toxic. They're probably the most you know, corporate, you know, toxic corporate entity ever in Australia for people to be associated with and if people are in bed with Adani we want to know about it because we want to convince them not to because most of the people in Australia still don't support the mine it's about 65% of Australians are against the mine about 60% of Queenslanders but as we said the the power and the money and the lobbying and the backroom deals of political parties and political donations are are against us and there is Adani being a very tough opponent but in 10 years they haven't been able to develop the basin yet and we want to keep it that way and it's been its own kind of people power movement the steady stream of leaks from inside some of these corporations who've been linked to adani i mean that's how this information came out recently and it's been an ongoing thing hasn't it yeah and that's um it's important and it's a real encouragement to people like myself who've been doing this for many years on the ground that there's you know average everyday citizens or whatever you want to call it who are working for these companies going well you know i'm happy to work for this company doing what we normally do but i don't want to be involved in new thermal coal because it's completely unnecessary there's better and cheaper and more flexible ways to produce electricity you know here and in india and it's really only subsidies which come out of our pocket and subsidies coming out of the pockets of indians in india that are keeping this project alive financially. It's really, it doesn't stack up financially without massive subsidies at both ends. And that's a real, 
disaster that you know, governments are supporting a multi-billionaire who yeah, invested in thermal coal at the wrong time and doesn't want to lose his money. All right. Thanks very much, Ben. And as you mentioned, some of those um, Adani contractors are, are getting back up and going. I was, sorry, sorry, and the resistance is getting back up and going. Um, Galilee blockade here and frontline action on coal. And so uh, people get up there and get involved in the struggle to protect our climate. Yeah, and one more organisation to go and check out in particular is the Wengen and Jengungu um, Family Owner Council. Is Go and check them out on Facebook and their website as well, the traditional owners uh, who, again, have been to the forefront of the fight but with an Indigenous sovereignty um, base and who keep saying no to Adani. But unfortunately, native title law in Australia is very stacked against traditional owners, a very much divide-and-conquer no, model and Adani have been doing their best to divide and conquer traditional owners as well. So go and check out the W&J Family Council online as well and they'll yeah, a lot of really important information with regards to you know, the First Nations who've been protecting this land for thousands and thousands of years It's um, greatly under threat. Okay, thanks very much Ben. Thanks Andy.
and your bosses are impossibly preposterous big chunks of human garbage. A half garbage. a degree, a half a degree. The planet's roasted if it wants another half a degree. How we supposed to go and keep it under half a degree? If a dirty dick the call up from the arse of Galilee. It could pass for parody if it wasn't so nefarious. Nothing but an act of an environmental terrorist. Experts tell us it ain't economically viable. So why would we support an act that's so suicidal? Filling up the coffers with the process that is written. Run, promising this nonsense of our jobs and growth for everyone But benefits are only flowing to a tiny portion While the rest of us are left to bear destruction of a biblical proportion The landscape raping and the rotting The moonscape craters all created from the blatant earth scorching And the way that they poison The atmosphere, the rivers, oceans and the earth's surfaces With a floundering mentality entirely pre-compared Put on your Adani, you're doing it, you're doing it You're ruining the planet with the fumes that are spewing out From using coal power plants instead of green renewables Even though renewables are absolutely doable Good on your Adani, you're doing it, you're doing it You're ruining the planet with the fumes that are spewing out From using coal power plants instead of green renewables Even though renewables are absolutely doable Adani, you were fucking up that party Burning coal, it's stinky body You were greedy, you were grotty And you're really fucking Naughty. You're the shit that's in the potty You were weaselly and waddy And we're gonna cut you down like some chuffy chop karate You were sleazy money brothers You were bastards, you were buggers You were a bunch of motherfuckers And you're taking us for suckers You were serial offenders From our serious perspective What we're seeing from our bondage Is your reputation tarnished And your bosses are impossibly preposterous Big chunks of human garbage That is Stretch Fabregas there with Adani Stinky Farty. Tell us what you really think, Stretch Fabregas. <laughs> um, before that, we were speaking with Ben Pennings, who's been involved heavily in the uh, movement against Adani with Galilee Blockade here in Brisbane and supporting Frontline Action on Coal, who have been consistently... Um, getting people out there and stopping the construction of that mine, which we should say is going on. There's still work happening on that mine, but still plenty of resistance to it. Um, as there needs to be, of course, so we're at the stage, the Paris Climate Agreement said there can be no new coal mines. If we're going to avoid catastrophic climate change, all coal reserves have to stay in the ground. Um, and yet... On today on the Paradigm Shift, we've talked about three different proposed new coal mines and a resistance to it. And so um, if you care about our climate and our future, then get involved in trying to stop these mines and leave that stuff in the ground. The major companies and governments, the mainstream parties, of course, support coal in Queensland. And there's a lot of coal that's going out of Queensland anyway, uh, apart from what's happening in the Galilee Basin. Nothing will change until someone comes up with a solution for the jobs and the the economics of it in regional Queensland, and that's that's the big question. Well, there's been talk about a Green New Deal and proposals made. I mean, these things have been talked about for years. I think there's heavily heavy vested interests in the revolving door of personnel between the mining industry and the major political parties and lobbyists like the Queensland Resources Council and things like that. Um, I think, yeah, 
the chat the worry isn't jobs you know it's uh it's fighting against the vested interests but yes we're about out of time on the paradigm shift we've got one more song to go out on quick mention tomorrow there is another black lives matter rally happening 12 p.m at king george square yep marching to musgrave park so, of course, we've spoken about both Wangan and Jagalingu and Gomoroi trying to protect their culture. And it's not just about the culture. Sometimes it's a struggle just to stay alive for Aboriginal Australians. Get along to that. We'll see you there. We'll go out with one last song. This is Formidable Vegetable Sound System with Climate Movement. See ya. We all came to be here for a reason To acknowledge the seniors, everything has a season This season is warm, but it's bringing a storm And a burning urge for our journey to transform But held in our hand at this grave intersection Is a map of the passage for a clearer direction To a permanent culture It's time we began it With some wise design to realign with the planet Share skills to rebuild our combined reliance And with wild guidance redesign our diet Befriend energy descent and the change in climate to grow forests of food and a finer environment Permaculture at this tumultuous juncture Is a superstructure that can plug the puncture In a society of anxiety, confusion and greed This really may be one solution we need To bring back our elementary essence of ethics And walk in earth care, people care, fair share epic Now's the time to embed it while the temperature's tepid Let us rise as a choir beside the people who get it To guarantee that our future generations Lives are provided the conditions they require to thrive Instead of being deprived of the tools to survive In a biosphere too defiled to revive So we invite you now to amplify the synergy Devise an inspired distinctive soliloquy Combining with like minds an adaptable symphony Of radical simplicity, balance and symmetry Whatever your ability, we need your assistance In aid of reclaiming a stable existence Go summon your gift to this critical hour And deliver wherever they move and empower